Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to Love Yourself Fiercely. I am super stoked about today's guest. She is not only super cool just as a chick, but also is going to introduce us to something that I've been dying to know more about, um, human design. Brittany, thank you for being here. We're so excited to have you. You're welcome. I'm so excited to be here. So tell me a little bit about um, how you even got into human design. Yeah. So (laughs) what a rabbit hole. Um, I actually, so the first time I ever heard of human design, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about like projectors and generator. And I was like, what, what is this? Yeah. Um, so I did a little digging and I did a little research and, you know, it's kind of my initial understanding was like, it's basically kind of like a personality test, you know, that's not it at all. (laughs) It's, it's, so much deeper than a personality. The beautiful thing about human design is it's the science of differentiation. So it shows you how you are unique in the world versus like how you fit into a box in the world. Mm. And the deeper you go, the more different you become, you find yourself becoming and you start to see the layers and the levels and it's beautiful. But anyway, um, heard about it on a podcast. And so I started digging around it and I thought, wouldn't this be like really great to help me understand my child? That's literally how I started researching it. Cause I was like, this can teach me how to help her without being judgmental of like her and how she acts and who she is. Right. Right. And so for those who are listening, who have never heard of human design, um, I'll give them my basic understanding and then you can dive a little deeper. So you can go online and do a human design test and you, all you have to know is your date of birth, the place of birth and the time of birth. And what happens is it gives you this chart and it shows you uh, your human design and the profile and all of the different things. And then it gives you this weird graph that has the, um, I guess I always associate them with chakras, but they may be different. And so of the chakras, some are colored in and some are not. And there's a whole bunch of really interesting things nobody understands except for Brittany. That's why we brought her here. But basically you can just go on and find out and it'll tell you if you're a projector or a reflector or a generator or a manifesting generator. And I'm forgetting one. I always forget one. Which one is it? Manifest. Oh, oh! I, I didn't even say projector. I didn't say projector. I said reflector. Said a manifester. Yeah. You said projector. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> so anyways, and then you get this thing and you're like, cool, I'm going to Google what that means. And then there's a million different things. And so give us just like a basic understanding of what the chart says. Cool. Okay. So when you pull your chart, there's a couple different sites you can pull it from, but generally you'll get this pretty looking graph that you'll look at and go, what the hell is this? Yep. And um, it'll tell you like some information usually. So it'll tell you your type, which is generator, manifesting generator, projector, reflector, manifester. Um, it'll tell you your authority usually, which is basically how you make decisions. Your authority is going to be one of those colored in shape on your chart. It'll tell you your um, strategy, which is based on the type that you are. So each type has their own strategy, which is basically how they interact in the world. 
for example, manifesting generators, they respond, they also inform, they have like this double, um, I don't really, this, they have like two strategies combined because they're basically manifestors and generators combined. Right. Um, but that, and then it usually will give you like your profile, which is two lines, that's a little more in depth. We don't need to necessarily go there. Mm -hmm. um, and it'll give you maybe a couple of other things, like just information, general information about your chart. And that's kind of it. And then you're kind of left to go search the World Wide Web for what all of this means, um, which you can do. You can find all the information. You can. Yeah. Um, it's just going to take you a while to collect it all and figure it all out and then put it into practice. Yeah. So <laughs> and like, that's what we were talking about before we hit record was that it's there, but it's overwhelming. And there's often a lot, it's not necessarily perception, but it's, there's a lot of differentiating information on what it means to be insert human design type there. But before we dive any deeper into the chart, I want you, I was like, I brought the human design specialist on. And then I didn't, give you the, um, I didn't give you a chance to tell us like, so you had Addy and decided you wanted, then you found human design and then tell everybody it's the coolest part. I think is that you're not just a human design coach or a human design chart reader, but tell us your specialty because it's really cool and unique to the world. Yeah. So it's been a journey. <laughs> Holy wow. Has it been a journey? <laughs> um, I did start as wanting to just be like a human design guy because I thought like this is information everybody should have mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. Um, but I had Addison and then like I went through a lot of like this work and I started digging into my human design and then, you know, realized like, ooh, trauma wounds. Hi, hello. Like, and this turned, it morphed into this whole like trauma kind of needs to be a part of it, which morphed into like, how do I incorporate this into the family dynamic and helping people with their children? Mm. And then I got pregnant and I had my second daughter and like gave birth and in the midst of all of this had this realization like, oh no, I'm here to help women who want to become mothers, are pregnant, maybe they already have like kids and I'm here to help them heal their own core wounds, their mother wounds, their inner child wounds so that when they have their children, bring their children into the world, they are healed or healing and now they can help their children in a way where they're not necessarily creating that same generational and ancestral trauma and carrying it forward we're healing it as like a collective and I'm getting chills talking about this because like I love it. the the ripple effect of this work like and I don't know that women realize that like this is all buried deep 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 mm -hmm. deep unconsciously you may not know what's there and um it's just really important. Like the more I look at like my kids and my reactions to their behaviors and everything, like I just, it reaffirms how important it is because they're like little mirrors of information. Yeah. <laughs> and what I love the deeper level of that is you also give women, maybe they're just starting their healing journey. Maybe they're in it. Maybe they're not quite at a point where they can um, respond, not react. And you're giving them a perspective to say, this is your child's human design and how they respond, how they interpret what they are 
designed to be and how we can support that as well as their own human design. And I think it's like, like you said, those trauma wounds, we talk about that a lot on this podcast because it is part of us. And when we then are now we're bringing it into motherhood, um, you know, so many of us have so much fucked up shit from our childhood that we didn't even recognize was still playing such a pivotal role in how we live our lives. And then you have a moment as a mom where you're like, shit, I just did that thing that really, really was hard for me to accept as a child and I'm doing it. And so what you're doing is you're, you're providing a safe and secure way to heal for women. So they don't get to that point where they're recognizing that they're continuing the patterning pattern and then having to try to erase that from your current situation. So I think it's just outstanding really. And even if, I mean, let's be honest, we're all human. Like we're, yep. we've all had that thing happen with our parents where we said, I don't want to be my mom or I don't want to mm-hmm. be my dad. And then we turn around and have kids and we do that exact thing. And we're like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but like they're okay. Kids are very forgiving. They're very forgiving. And it's okay to do those things also. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, they're not going to die from it. You know, you didn't die. Did you No. now you just need to be more aware and say like, okay, how can I improve for next time? You know, like maybe, you know, your kid really frustrates you while you're giving them, this is like a real life example. Fam. You're giving them a bath. It's very frustrating. They don't want to do what you're asking them to do. You're like, your water is cold. You need to rinse your hair because we have to get out of the bathtub because you've been in it so long at this point and they're screaming at you and you scream back and it's not pretty next time you get up and you walk away instead of screaming back. Yeah. Hi, I've done it. <laughs> Same. Same. So, I mean, you know, like it's, it's also learning to be gentle with yourself. Yeah. You're not perfect. You're not supposed to be perfect. It's okay. Yeah. And I guess, you know, when we talk about those trauma wounds and being so aware of them, it's our, our default response is guilt and shame when we and fix it. Yeah. How do I fix it? Right. Like I just did that thing that I know is not helpful. I reacted. I, or yeah, I reacted. I didn't respond. And now I'm going to feel like a shitty parent because of it. And how do I fix everything so that a, I, my child knows that I didn't mean to yell or scream or whatever the insert situation here. And how do I fix the thing so that I'm not doing it again? And I think that is such a huge piece that like, I'm so glad you brought it up because I don't think we talk about that openly enough to just own it for what it is and say, we're not supposed to be perfect yeah. as mom. It's moms. not about fixing it. I've actually, I've said this like a couple of times, like what, what I've realized is it's actually very challenging to do this is to look at your kid and honestly sit there and say, I'm sorry. I should not have reacted this mm-hmm. way. It's my fault. You know, like this, this is on me. Yeah. Without saying, but mm-hmm. without saying, but you should have done X, Y, Z or, but yeah. you were listening or, but like just owning the fact that you reacted poorly. Yeah. I, uh, and then they hug you and say, I love you. And right. Like, because to them, they're <laughs> like, I don't know why we're so upset here. It happened. It's, it's moved on. But we know the power of apology, right? We know the power of owning our, our shit. And uh, I, I remember many times losing it on my kid and, and 
but that's the one thing I always did right was I always apologized and I did that. And here, the truth is because my mom never apologized ever Mm -hmm. growing up. It was like, you fucked up, you own it, but she would, right. She could not, even as I got older and was like an adolescent or an early in my early twenties. And I'm like, listen, like that was really hurtful. She could not apologize. She, she just couldn't do it. It was really hard for her. And those were her trauma wounds. But as a child, that's not my problem. Right. And so as a mom, it was something that I was adamant I would do. And you're right. There's power in learning how to do that as an, as a, as a mother without the, butt, Mm -hmm. and just being like, I screwed up and I'm sorry. And they love us anyways, no matter what we do, really. And it's really hard to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Surprisingly difficult. Wait until you go and try it. Consciously be aware of it. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's like, I think that part of that is ingrained in me because I was in children's mental health for so long that we never used the word, but, mm-hmm. and we used to teach parents not to use the word, but because it's so dismissive, it, we would use the word and. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry that I lost my cool. And how can we work together next time? That was like how we would teach parents how to replace it. Um, But yeah, it's really, it's, it's so easy to say, I'm really sorry. I lost my cool. But if you had to listen the first five times, right? Like that's where our brains go. Like if you had just done the thing, the first five times I asked you, wouldn't have got to that place, but um, okay. Let's, Let's, where should we go now? Should we go to human? Should we go to the charts or should we go to more of that conscious? Should we go deeper with the conscious parenting? You lead the way. I mean, we can talk about the charts. I think the conscious parenting, a big part of it comes in. I think you're going to have to learn your chart first. I mean, like there's kind of like, not that I have like a step-by-step process, but you're going to need to peel back layers essentially. Mm -hmm. So, you know, ideally you'd start with somebody who is like thinking about having kids or is pregnant and is planning on having like Mm -hmm. a baby, obviously if you're pregnant. Um, And like, you're going to start looking at the chart and you're going to start saying, okay, where are the big triggers? Like, and the big triggers you can clearly see like on the chart, you know, it's those very, the white centers that are not colored in. Those are your undefined centers. Those are the centers that are going to be conditioned because you don't have consistent access to energy in those centers. Right. And so when you get in touch with it, it's unfamiliar to you. And if someone else around you has it, it can be very triggering for you. Mm. Right. Interesting. See, and I didn't know that even that I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay, so let's talk about like you and one of your kids. So like you, for example, and we talked about this before we hit record, but like you, for example, aren't defined in your emotional solar plexus. However, one of your children are. And so when you and that child are having an interaction and she's in the middle of her emotional wave because she's emotionally defined. It's very, very emotional for you mm-hmm. because you feel her emotions basically like tenfold. You're going to amplify that and it's going to trigger you because you're not used to holding that energy within mm. your personal design, within your personal body, like your energetic field. So she is in the middle of this emotional wave and she's just trying to clear this energy and she doesn't exactly know how to like honor it and use it. And you're over there like, what is going on? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, and, and, you know, like it's, it's, 
part of it is you've been conditioned to kind of react that way because that's just all you've known. Yeah. You know, anytime you come in contact with somebody like that, you know, emotionally defined, you feel it. You also may notice you're like very empathic. So like you can walk into a room and you know when something's funky. Always. Yeah. So like that's yeah. part of it too. Like you can just feel this energy. And so, you know, for you, um, your chart is very interesting being a manifesting generator with only three centers to find, like you very, you're very open. You pick up on a lot of other people's energy. So that can be very draining for you. Mm-hmm. You it can is. feel very like, you know, um, your brain probably goes 1200 miles an hour when you're around people with defined ajnas and head centers, because you're completely open in your head center, yeah. which is great for ideas and inspiration. Cause you can take everything from like everywhere. Um, but it's very external for you. Whereas, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like your inspiration comes externally, right? So like hmm. reading a book or listening to a podcast, or you see something on television, or it could even be an experience, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas people who have defined head centers, which is only like 30% of the population, um, they're, inspiration is internal it's more like a source kind of like Hmm. type thing for them it doesn't need to be something that they see it comes more like internally from contemplating what is happening in their lives or a certain scenario or how can I improve upon whatever is happening what I'm specializing in so like that's an example right one of the centers you have six undefined yeah we could be here a while but right <laughs> but like that's just an example and you know you can the beautiful thing is i think a lot of people take the lack of definition as being bad right and i would like to just reframe this for people it's not good or bad being defined or undefined is neither good nor bad it's mm-hmm. learning to utilize it defined centers are where you have this consistent energy you, you know how to use it because you've been using it all of your life. Right. You practice with it, you know, your undefined centers, that's where you have the ability to learn more and gain wisdom as to how can I take what I've experienced from others and now put it into practice basically for myself. Hmm. That's so cool because you're right. Immediately you're like only three defined. Is that bad? <laughs> Yeah. What? <laughs> right. Um, so that's cool that you can, that, that reframe there really just would change things for someone who doesn't understand. Um, because in the human design world, your defined centers are where you pull your power from. You hear that all, all of the time where you have consistent energy. So let's talk about the defined centers a little bit. How do we know, how does a person know or I guess this is like a loaded question. If they're, because I'm like, it depends on the person. How do you know if someone is like in alignment with their defined centers that they're responding from their, from, I guess the way that would be their natural response or where they're not. So for example, or let me explain a little more. I'm a, I'm sacral defined. That's my, what do they call that? You have it in front of you too. That's my like defined, whatever. I don't know my to respond. And how do I know, like, how, how would I know if I'm actually responding that way or if I'm responding to my environment? Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
basically you might have like two defined centers in your chart. You might have all nine defined, mm -hmm. you know, let me just defined it's colored in the colors don't matter, right. but defined is colored in undefined is white, you know, um, just for that for in case, um, now when you're talking about being in alignment with your defined centers, I always tell people if you're starting out and you're just learning, always go back to your strategy and authority. Don't worry about breaking it down by center, like center by mm -hmm. center by center, because it's going to be overwhelming. Start with your strategy and your authority. So for you being a manifesting generator and your sacral de defined, that's your authority. You're going to focus on responding because that is your strategy. Right. So what do I mean by responding? Someone told me, I think, or I read it. I'm not sure. Um, think about your senses when you're responding. We respond to things we hear. We respond to things we smell. We respond to the things that we touch. Like when we're, you know, what we see. Yeah. We're responding all the time, constantly. Like the, the generators and the manifesting generators are always responding constantly. Like you respond to life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Second of every day, you know? Um, and we get really tripped up when we start to think about it in our heads. Yeah. When we logically are like, oh, okay. So I have to respond to something and I have to do it using my sacral authority. So like my desires, so my gut reactions, kind of like what I want to be. We like really try to like make it very mental. Right. Because it's like, it's interesting that you said like, we've, res we've responded that way our whole life. So now to like, think about it and like, think about a child. Yeah. They do what they want. Yep. They do exactly what they want. They want to go have like, they want milk or something like my child will go open the fridge. Yeah. She wants a cup of ice. She goes, she grabs a plastic container out of the drawer. She goes, puts it underneath the ice maker. She gets herself ice. Right. Like she doesn't, there is no, like, like, this is what I want. So like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Like she smells something or hears something or sees something she wants. Like, I want that. Right. Like, that's it. And I think this is where I like, I get like sad for, for all of us because society's like no 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 that's not how things go right and so my chart is I'm sacrally defined or I'm a sacral authority to respond non-self theme is frustration yo do you know how much shit frustrates me on a regular basis yeah. if I only did the things that I wanted I would not be a responsible adult in many ways so I I think it gets really frustrating to to find that balance between like you have to be a grown up and you have to do some things that you don't like. And we're parents. And let's be honest, there's a lot of things we have to do that we don't necessarily enjoy day to day. But I guess as a grown ass woman, as another, you know, functioning member of society, how do we, how does a person like anchor into that? How do they tangibly find situations in which they can move forward, getting back into alignment with their design, I guess sacrally i kind of get it it's like your uh -huh, like your uh-huh response uh -huh. it's your uh-huhs yeah. yeah so like um for example i okay this is actually a good example so i i'm, a, I'm an emotional authority however again we get a little complicated here 
because if you have your, if you're a sacredly defined person, but you're an emotional authority, you kind of use them both. Right. So for me, for example, I have said many times I should keyword is should that is operating outside of where Mm -hmm. that's not no. So I should drink, you know, the coffee we have at home and like, just make it in the Keurig because I don't need to go buy Starbucks coffee every day. Right. But I want Starbucks cold brew. Yeah. So I will go and get myself Starbucks cold brew. Like that's one of those things where I'm like, this is really unnecessary, but I want Starbucks cold brew. And so I'm going to go get it. Do you know what's really funny? It's really fucking funny because we're both managers. <laughs> um, and in the last year, my greatest joy has been my Starbucks. Mm-hmm. It's like the thing that I just. It's like a mom thing. <laughs> I want it so bad. And I, we have found like many different ways. We've bought cool creamers to make it kind of taste the same at home and a frother and all the things. And I'm like, you know, I really just need my vanilla latte. <laughs> just. I, and it's interesting that you say that because that's exactly what it is. It's like, I just want that. Mm-hmm. And that is responding. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, there are going to be real life things where you can't do that, right? Yeah. Like you can't always shirk your responsibilities and not go to work. I mean, no one wants to go to work, right? Like, you know, you yeah. can't shirk your responsibilities and not go to like your nine to five if you are working a nine to five, you know, yeah. if you're if you're working in your own business, like you make your business, what you want to be doing, like yeah. that is how you get around that. You make it fun. You make it playful. You bring the creativity and then you love doing it. That's the whole thing. Do what you love. Literally sacral beings who are really focusing on this podcast. So sorry, everybody else, but right. do what you love, you know, like that's period of discussion. Um, but like make it fun if you can, you know, if you have to go to a nine to five, Stop and get yourself that goddamn Starbucks coffee. Yeah. Yep. Like, you know, do the little things that are going to bring you that joy, that satisfaction, mm. that pleasure, because it's going to make it better for you. It's going to allow you to embrace that design, even doing the things you don't necessarily want to be doing. Right. Right. And so quick question, and I am sorry to whoever's listening to this, who's not a manager because or I'm like, this works for generators too. Right. So it would work for gen- generators too. I'm like, sorry, Brittany, you're here. And I'm going to ask all the questions, but all my life, um, I've, people have said things like, like, not that I don't follow through. I've never really heard that. Um, I heard that a lot as a child that I would never follow through, but as I got older, I'm like, okay, I'll finish a thing. And if it still is not my thing, then I'll move on. But I think about like, particularly the last couple of years. And I find like, I wanted to redo my backyard. We redid my backyard. I wanted to redecorate my house. I redecorated my house and I wanted to move and we moved. Like I did all this work, but is that me responding? Like, this is not where I need to be anymore. Yeah. So here's the thing for you. Um, when you're responding to something and it's something you truly want, you'll get it done. Right. When you're doing something where you're like, I should be doing this. It's going to be really hard for you, especially you have an undefined ego center. Not only is your ego center undefined, it's completely open. You have Mm -hmm. no active gates in that center. Like, this is the center that is like your willpower. It is, it's kind of like the I want center. 
it's, it's yeah. more like the energy of like, I want it because I want it. Right. You know, it's like that's, that's you that. just like, you just like made me feel better about something that I haven't talked about on the podcast yet, but I stopped writing my book and I stopped writing my book. I'm like halfway through because I was doing it for everybody else. Because right. My brand, the people in my community, they wanted this and they were like waiting for it. And I was writing and I was like, this is not joyful. This is fucking hard. And it's my life story. It shouldn't be hard. So I stopped writing it and it's been the greatest thing ever. Because you didn't want it though. Right. Because it's not, it's like, it's just, there's nothing there that feels connected to the words anymore. Don't get, I don't know if you know Amanda King, but she describes the sacral authority people. Like you get the crotch tingles. It's not, you're not excited. Right. That's such an Amanda King thing to say. I know. I know, but it's like a really accurate, like record, like yeah. you know, the butterflies. It's not this like excited, bubbly, like joy. It's, it's like this, it's this, I'm trying to make myself want it. Yeah. And it's hard. Things become hard. So a book is like 60,000 words. The first 25 were no problem. 25,000 because I wrote my, I was talking about my story. And then I got to the part where I was like, this is not no longer really what I teach either because it's no longer who I am anymore. And so I, I found it, it was hard in my world. And maybe this is part of the Manny Jen thing as well, because we follow our joy. Shit's not a lot of shit is hard for me in business because I love it. Right. It's not hard. It's not hard to, to do. And I don't say that egotistically. I say it because I love what I do and the book, it was, there was just no more joy. And I'm like, I gotta let it go. And it was really hard to let it go. And it might have been like a yes at some point that's conditioning. Yeah. That letting it go that hard to let it go. Oh, for sure. It is. You have to finish things. Yeah. Society tells us our parents tell us, Uh huh. You need to finish this. Yeah, so true. And I knew actually, ironically, I had found human design shortly before. And I knew that, that I heard that like Manny Jens, if it doesn't bring you joy, let it go. Like there's no reason to keep it going just because somebody said, and it was like my permission to stop writing. Cause I was like, Oh, I get to do this because this is actually how I should be living my life. Interesting. Okay. You said I had an undefined ego, an open ego center. What does that mean? (laughs) So I, people will say in the human design world, your head center is one of the most heavily conditioned centers. Mm -hmm. I personally believe your ego center is way more conditioned. And so if I'm looking at the map, if I, or I'm sorry, if I'm looking at the chart, which (laughs) one is ego? So that little triangle that is just, if you're looking at the picture, it's just to the right. Of okay. The it's all, it's the one off center down the center, right? Okay. So it's, it's like this small, but mighty center, but mm-hmm. I, I also have a, a completely open ego center. And this has been like a very big struggle. It's because this center also holds your self-worth. it holds your self-worth it holds your self-esteem and it is your willpower center and it's 
packed full of all of these things that like are so conditionable, like so conditionable. My, and like the self-worth thing especially has been like, it, I, it has been a, a ride. Yeah. <laughs> we're still, we're still riding it. Yeah. Because, you know, you tie your self-worth so much into this conditioning of if I can't finish this, I'm not worthy or right. if, if I don't commit to this and then see it through, there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and so the big thing with like ego centers and like I've started doing this is like, unless it's for sure, like a hell yes, I don't necessarily say like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'll say, you know, let me think about it. Or I'll say like, it sounds good, but let me, you know, kind of rethink it closer to when you're planning on doing this because it might not feel good. And like, I actually, one of, I had agreed to speak in somebody's um, like free challenge thing or something. And it was a long time out. And by the time we got to it, I was like, I cannot energetically handle this. Yeah. And I, I literally had to like buck up and like, be like, I'm sorry. It just doesn't feel good. Yeah. Like, I'm not, it's not going to be a good presentation. Like I don't have the energy to do it. And like, I I'm sorry that, that, you know, I had said like, I would most likely Mm -hmm. do it, but I just, it's just not going to work out. You know, and it's interesting because to, to kind of piggyback on that, especially in business, especially in coaching, there's a lot of like, quote unquote, should do to get your name out there should do to get you know, to tell people like things like that, things like being asked to come in as a speaker in someone else's platform unpaid, which often is a big deal. Right. And I think it's, we'll see that shift a little more as time goes on. But when we're starting out, when we're trying to build, when we're trying to, when we're excited about that next phase in our business, it's like, got to go on all these people's podcasts, got to write for this I write for an entrepreneurial magazine because I thought it was like the right next step. If I was going to write a book, uh, you know, all of these different things we're told to do, but like, is it super freeing when you're like, yeah, that's just not going to work for me. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. Okay. So another example, I have a program that's like carts opening yep. today. I, to me, I have until midnight. <laughs> to get that sales page done like it started yeah <laughs> it'll get done it will get done I because I have a defined root center I do really well with pressure but like you know this afternoon like that was not my priority it was not yeah. like focus so I didn't work on it yet right it'll, it's just, and like before like really doing a lot of this human design work and especially like some of the work with the gene keys and stuff like that I would have been like working on this like Mm -hmm. all morning even though like it's not what I wanted to be doing this morning yeah like that's what I would have been focused on and it would have taken me all day to do this sales page I guarantee you it wouldn't be done like it wouldn't be done it's still wouldn't I wouldn't have done the other things that I wanted to do. And I would have been feeling really frustrated and miserable. And I was just yeah. like, you know, it'll get done. It'll be fine. Man, I was frustrated and miserable today because I did my damn taxes and I didn't want to. Um, like got all my business stuff, but I knew that I should have just left it and did it another time. 
but there's the conditioning. It's like, I should do this thing that I hate. <laughs> okay. We could talk about our, my chart and your chart all day long. Let's talk about, let's just go down the centers and you just give a brief, brief synopsis for everyone who's listening, like what they are, kind of what they mean. And then I want you to explain to me a little bit about the connections. Cause I don't know a damn thing about a damn thing like about that. Gates and channels and stuff like that. The gates and the channels. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if you're looking at your charts, let's start at the top. You have yeah. the top triangle. It's yellow. That's your head center. The head center is all about like ideas and inspiration and that kind of thing. Um, I won't really go into like conditioning shadow versus like, you know, alignment because that's a lot of information mm -hmm. but um, this is basically the center where you're going to be like pulling your ideas from sometimes you know with the undefined with the conditioning we get very caught up in like answering questions we get very caught up in the how mm. kind of like and, and the ajna center also gets very caught up in the how but the ajna center is more about certainty um when it's undefined and you're kind of conditioned it's more about like how can i be certain like you know right. i these are the people, the undefined ajna, they're the people who go buy all the horses. Okay. Oh yeah. The overlearning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of that. Um, but the ajna center is more like a processing center. So like your head centers ideas, ajna is the next triangle down mm -hmm. so More like your mental processing. This is kind of like, you know, organization and putting everything together and like making it make sense. And then you go down to the square below that. That's your throat center. So this is all about communication and manifesting it. All of the energy in the chart is trying to get to the throat center because mm -hmm. where you're going to, you know, project whatever it is that you want, whatever you're manifesting, whatever you're creating, like speaking your truth. It's all here. Um, that's, a, that's a really packed center. I'm not even going to go into like all that stuff. Right. <laughs> um the next center down the diamond that's yellow that's your g center this is all about identity okay and when people like in terms of human design when they say like you know heart centered they're talking about the center okay your, thank you for clarifying that um this is this is like your identity this is where you're speaking for, this is this is your truth this is you know what you it's it's almost more than your identity. It's like, like this is the projection of who you are. Now, for those that have the center undefined, it can be very confusing. They feel very lost in like, I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going. And the beauty of this undefined center is like, you don't have to. Right. To be whoever you want to be. Yeah. Like, that's just, it is, that's just it. So there's more to that, but, you know, identity center. Um, the next center is like that kind of, we talked about caddy corner, yeah. right? Ego center. That's your willpower. It's your ego. It's, it's, I want this because I want it. It's kind of sassy. I feel like it's a very sassy energy. The ego center is sassy to me. And like yeah. And it's also has a lot to do with your self-worth, self-esteem, confidence, that kind of stuff. So because of all those things, obviously it is potentially a very conditioned center, whether you have or undefined how you're brought up, the experiences you've had in your childhood, maybe at school, whatever, 
a lot goes into that. Now, if you go back to the center of the chart, the next square down is red. That's your sacral center. That is the life force energy center. They, that's like your magnetizing center. It's, and this is kind of like the basis of my program is like, you have the center. This is your magnetism center. This is where you like pull on the creativity, the joy, the sexuality, the sensuality, like all this creative life force, like womb, woman, hello, energy, get into your gut and like feel it, you know? that kind of thing. Um, it's, I, the sacral center is hard to describe because it's really more of like a feeling, like go dance to music that you need to move your hips to. That's your yeah. sacral center. Right. <laughs> That's how I would describe it. If you go to now the triangle to the left of your sacral center, if you're looking at your chart, it's brown, um, pointing inwards. That is your splenic center. That center has a lot to do with fear. It's also known as the fear center. So, um, it's an intuitive center. It has to do with your health, your well-being. It's a fear center as well. Um, but you know, when you have it undefined, you may find yourself holding on to things that aren't good for you. So example, relationships, <laughs> relationships that aren't good for you. You might find yourself like having a hard time kicking it because that relationship gives you this sense of like stability and right. well and like this tangible like I feel okay here safety almost mm-hmm. um that's that center now if you go back to the sacral center and you go to the right there's another triangle that points inward that's brown that is your emotional solar plexus so this center is all about your emotions and um emotional intelligence and learning how to ride those emotional waves it also deals a little bit with like you know um, confrontation. So for example, if you have the center undefined, you have a really hard time with confrontation. Having those hard conversations is difficult for you. Partially my interpretation, it makes perfect sense because you're picking up on the feelings of another person and you don't want to feel that uncomfortable feeling between somebody when you're having that conversation Mm. because you're going to feel yourself. And on the flip side of that, it's interesting because mine's undefined. Um, and I have like never been afraid of confrontation. Um, anyone who knows me in real life knows that like if, if something's wrong, but I also think that's conditioning because my mother was very much like that. Like, let's just tell the truth. If it, whether or not it hurts, we just need to. Hmm. Right. So cool, man. That last center on the bottom, that bottom square, that's your root center. That's root center. It's a pressure center. It has a lot to do with like stress. Like if you're looking at where this kind of associates in the body, you're talking about your adrenals. So it's that stress. It's that stress response. It's pressure. It's like, I'm good with things under pressure because I have a defined root center. So like when I wait till the last minute to do things, I get things done and it's like, fine. Right. Whatever. I don't have a problem with it people who have it undefined tend to have a hard time pushing themselves to get things done, but also it's very stressful for them because they don't have a consistent way of handling that stress. Right. So they like are put in this pressurized situation and they're like, Oh my God, what do I do? Oh, it is almost paralyzing for them. Mm. 
take it and utilize that energy, they're kind of just like stuck in this like amplification of stress and anxiety and overwhelm. Whoa, so many things. But that's your centers. (laughs) Just the centers. That's just the beginning. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about the gates and the The channels. channels. So the gates are the numbers. So all those numbers you see in your chart, those are all gates. Each gate has its own kind of theme, usually associated with the center that it's in. Okay. So um, the G center is one that like I've learned a lot about just through Eden and her course. Um, But like, for example, you have defined gate one, seven, 13, 10, two in your G center. All those centers are basically like ways for you to express yourself. Whoa, where do I find that list? Consistently, <laughs> you can Google the gates, but um, she does it a little bit more based on like Gene Keys, Eden does. So, right. and just forever, I keep mentioning Eden's name. She's at Intuition Lifestyle on Instagram. Go check her out. Her information is phenomenal. I hope it's okay that I mentioned that. But like, 100%, yeah. Yep. That's the certification I'm in and I don't want to like, express it as mine because it's not um but yeah so like for example one I believe is like a very creative gate so it's a very it's the self-expression it's a gate of self-expression so like you know you do you it's a gate of self-expression this is going to call in a lot of like abundance for you when you can embody the gates that you have defined in that center it's going to call in abundance for you well which is kind of how the sacral center works as well. Yeah. So I actually, my program used to be just for sacrally defined people and applying that same concept of like, if you have a defined gate, you can use this energy to magnetize things to you. Same concept. So we're going to magnetize ourselves using the gates in the sacral center to attract what we want. Got it. Yeah. Super cool. So yeah, that's kind of the gates. And then the channels, when you look at the channels, they're, the channels are different than the gates. So you can't, you can't take the gates and then just like combine their descriptions to like get what the channel is. The channel is a different energy right? because it's a completely different flow of energy. And the channels are the lines the complete lines, yeah. The complete um, lines. From one center to another. So the channels are the ones that are connecting your centers. I only have one of those. Two. Where's the second one? Oh, yeah, I do. Okay, I have two. And you have 1333. 1333. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that means. School, so though. 14 two, channel 14 two is from your sacral center to your G center. Oh. And then 1333 is from your G center to your throat center. So all these tie together because your sacral center, like it, it, again, all the energy is moving to your throat. Your yeah. sacral center is moving up through that channel to your G center. That's going to be a very prominent energy for you. And then you have the channel from the G center up to your throat. Like it can be more specific than just you're speaking your identity, your truth. Mm-hmm. However, I do not have all the channels memorized. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I do because I don't. Right. 
there um, are a ton of them. Yeah, right, exactly. So, but like for you, cause you have your G center as your main connection to your throat center. When you speak, you're speaking your truth. You're speaking your identity. This is who I am. This is what I believe. This mm-hmm. is what I do. This is my identity. That's how you speak. Right. For me, my throat center is defined through my sacral center. So when I speak, it's more of like this, this is my intuitive knowing. This is my intuitive energy. This is my like, and because I'm also emotionally defined, emotions play a part in that. It's, right. It's, which makes perfect sense as to why I'm like an intuitive birth coach, because it's very womb, like related, like, this is what I do. I help you right. get touch with that voice, your inner knowing, your body, like your emotional intelligence and well-being, if you will. Cool. It's like so cool. But everyone's different. That's the beauty of it. Which is why it's so cool because no one chart is the same. Even twins. This is, I love this interpretation. Twins charts will look the same, especially like identical twins that are born together. But when you peel back the layers, so many layers, like then what you even see on a chart that you get when you pull it, they're, they can be different and their experiences shape who they are. Right. Because they will have different experiences and it will condition them differently. Right. Hmm. Okay. I'm trying to think if I had any other questions. Um, man, I wish I had everyone's chart in front of me because I'd ask all kinds of, okay. When somebody pulls their chart and it says incarnation cross, what does that mean? (laughs) Okay. So let me just, okay. (laughs) Your incarnation cross, everyone really focuses on this because it's your purpose, quote unquote. Okay. I hate the incarnation cross um, because I think, first of all, the descriptions, the human design descriptions are vague to me. Yeah. And I don't necessarily love looking at that and like trying to figure out like, oh my God, my purpose is based on this little dinky thing here. Like, I don't, it doesn't, when I'm looking at the incarnation cross, I'd much rather look at gene keys and I'd much rather go through the genius sequence. Right. Which is kind of like this activating sequence within the gene keys. Gene keys and human design complements each other very well. Two different systems, but when you pair them together, it kind of brings a whole new level to your understanding of yourself. Gene keys is more learning to understand yourself and how you work it's much more less concrete more like contemplating right and like interpreting information through your lens through your perception because that's the important part of it it's how you perceive it right how you utilize it so um i would much rather go through the genius sequence which is the same your incarnation cross is made up of four of the channels gates that you have defined and it's your conscious sun and 
conscious sun and earth and your unconscious sun and earth. These huh. are, when you're looking at your chart, you have the numbers on the sides. Yes. So the top two numbers on the right and the top two numbers on the left. Huh. They're the channels that are in your incarnation cross. That's how they get your incarnation cross. The and like the gene keys and the genius sequence of the gene keys gives you a much better understanding of yourself, your purpose, your identity, kind of if you're looking for that information. Right. But again, it's your own interpretation of it as well. So with that, I'm because we could talk about this forever. With that, if you could leave somebody who has never heard of human design until right now, and you know, they're going to Google their chart because duh, what would be like, what would be like one or two things you would tell them is a must do as they navigate their chart? Like what, what should be their greatest takeaways from their chart? Know your type, know your strategy, know your authority. Because I, you can get a reading done and you can have somebody break down all your centers to find and undefined gates and your channels and all this stuff and what all this means. But in reality, like the way you're utilizing your design is your strategy and your authority. Yeah. And if you start to practice using just that, you're going to fall into alignment with everything else. I love this. Oh, and one last thing that I just, the arrows on the left. Yes. The arrows on the left or the arrows on the right, which one is about manifesting power? Cause we talk a lot about manifesting here and I just learned this and I thought it was really cool. The bottom right arrow. That's the one, right? If it points left you're a specific manifester. If it points right, you're a non-specific manifester, which was really freaking mind blowing to me. Just so everybody who's listening knows, um, I am, I love a good manifestation and in retrospect, I didn't know I was a specific manifester. In fact, if you had asked me, I would have Hundy said I was non-specific, mm-hmm. Um, but according to my chart, I'm pardon. I'm also a specific manifester and I would have said the same thing. Right. Like I just never would have thought that I was specific, but then when I like looked back, so I, I don't know about you, but I keep all my journals. And so I, I do a list every year of like things that I desire for the year. And so I went back to last year's and like of the 56 things, 42 had been crossed off. Wow. And I was like, I guess I really am specific. <laughs> wow. That's the, yeah. yeah. So, okay. Left is specific. Right is non-specific. When we say specific manifestors. Yeah. Get really detail oriented. Like for example, when I bought a house last year, I manifested this house. Because mm-hmm. I literally in my head had a list of the things that I wanted this house to have. I wanted an office. I wanted four bedrooms. I wanted a kitchen that was open concept. I wanted two ovens. I wanted 
like the really nice giant sink. I wanted like this back wall of window. Like I, in my mind, I had this list of all these things. I wanted like this master bath with two vanities. I wanted a giant walk-in closet. I wanted the space to finish the basement. Like I wanted, like I have built-in bookshelves like in my office and upstairs in the hallway. Like I wanted all of these things. They were all on the list. I needed a two-car garage, like, you know, on and on. And now I live in this house that has all of these things. Right. And so I put on, we weren't even talking about moving in 2020. It wasn't even on our radar. Uh, hence why we spent thousands of dollars to redo our backyard <laughs> in June of 2020. Um, but I had, I have wanted to start to kind of figure out where we wanted to raise our family and, and like what kind of, I knew I needed more space eventually. And so the uh, same thing. We just bought our dream home and it's like nothing I would have ever handpicked from a listing, but my husband wanted to see this one. So we went and saw it and it was like full sacral when I went in. I was like, I have to have this house. I have to have this house. And it was the same thing. Like I, I was like, it needs to be big square footage need to be bigger than we had. It needed a big yard and I needed a freestanding bathtub. That's all I really effing cared about everything else. I was like, I'm cool if we just like do it ourselves and make it how we want. And this house has everything we wanted and it has a rose gold freestanding bathtub. Plus a freestanding bathtub. And a rose gold one. Like, hi, did you put this in for me? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I wanted to bring that to light because we talk a lot on this podcast and in my community about manifesting. And it's, it was really mind blowing to me that, um, that there, your chart can tell you what kind of manifester you are. And that's really, really helpful. Um, I always, you know, I'm like it specific versus non-specific exactly what you want or I'm cool with a house that's in this neighborhood the feeling yeah it's right like what is the vibe that you want that house to give off exactly feel in that house like look for that feeling you might not be like completely certain on like how many rooms it has but like it feels like this yeah or like if you're talking about meeting a partner a specific manifestor is like he's tall he's dark he's handsome he's six, two, he makes this much money. He drives this car. He lives in this neighborhood. Okay. Like that, those are her qualifications. A non-specific manifester is like, he lives this lifestyle. He has these same values. He He makes me feel, but there's not this like necessary specific specificity around his characteristics. A non- specific manifestor is about feeling. I love that. And so if you do not Google your chart for any other reason, do it for that so that you can get clear on your manifestations. Cause Lord knows we all, we both want, we both in our new dream homes want everybody else to have their dream home too. Brittany, thank you so much for being here. And I want you, before we hop off, I want you to tell them about your new program because it's gold and also where they can hang out with you. Yeah. So actually this goes really well with the manifestation unintentionally. I did not originally plan this as a manifestation course, but I'm like, no, that's, that's exactly what this is. 
Yeah. So um, the new program, it's called Magnetism, the Magnetism Matrix. And essentially it's all about magnetizing your dream life to yourself. So I like, you know, it's kind of like the work smarter, not harder program. Of yeah. Life. Um, basically, you know, who you can go and chase these things down or you could magnetize them to you. And how we do that is by looking at our sacral center specifically, this is the center that is going to be in charge of this magnetism, this like attraction, this it's, it's a beautiful center. Um, and looking at also the gates in those centers and really getting in touch with like the shadow of those gates and how do we move from the shadow of that gate into a more receptive higher frequency energy so that instead of, you know, pushing and forcing, we can just, you know, get in alignment with ourselves and attract exactly what we want. So cool. So cool. When do you guys kick off? When does, I know carts opening tonight, but when does the course kick off? It starts in March. So it'll probably start the second week in March. It's going to be run live. So, you know, something stuff, but I'm going to run it live. So you get me once a week for about an hour. We'll talk, we'll chat, whatever. It's basically like a group coaching thing. I'll present the information to you, obviously. But if you have questions, you can ask. There'll be Voxer access. I actually decided today that like the first five people that sign up, you get a one-on-one call with me. You can ask me whatever questions you want about your, your chart and whatnot. And we can go through all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so it's it's starting March. You have a, I wanted to make it a long open cart because human design everyone makes decisions differently. And I wanted to give you the space to make that decision an appropriate alignment with your design. So we didn't talk about a lot of other ones, but sacrals, you'll know, you'll, you'll look at it, the content on my Instagram and you'll get to know me and you'll be like, Oh, this is a hell yes. Um, but reflectors generally need like a solid 28 days to make a decision. So you won't have exactly 28 days, but you'll have enough time to like feel around in like whether or not you want to join. Um, so I kind of did that so everyone can utilize Love it. Um, do they purchase on a website or is there a link in your bio? Yeah, I'm going to put a link in my bio. I can give you the link. Um, yeah. And then we'll just link it in the show notes too. And IG's your jam, right? Yeah, that's where I show up the most, I would say, in the stories and, you know, posting. Um, It's at For the Conscious Mama. And I will link that below as well. Brittany, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy we made this work. And I'm so grateful that you shared all of this. I literally took notes the whole time. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. I I love talking about this stuff. So if anyone who's listening has questions, like, don't be shy. You can DM me. I'm cool with it. Do it. DM or ask her all the questions. I brought her on the podcast so I can ask her all the questions. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, lovely ladies, for taking the time for yourself today to grow, love yourself and evolve. We'll see you on the next one.